Hello, heroes. I'm Evan Rowland. And I'm Hannah Schaefer. Welcome to Design Doc. In game design, how can you tell the difference between a good and bad idea? Sometimes, the only way to figure it out is to play it out. There's a game we've worked on. We've made a playable prototype, brought it to conventions, but we've never mentioned it on the podcast. We were calling it Dreamlight. Dreamlight was a game inspired by Alice in Wonderland, where the players take on the role of psychic archetypes vying for control in the mind of a sleeping child. They influence the child's dream, pulling it towards fear or empathy or anger. As you play out the dream, you learn how it reflects the waking life of the dreamer and how it might change things for them once they've woken. Dreamlight didn't work. The game used a map of cards to explore the world of the dream, that became confusing. Each archetype had certain ways they could influence the dream, but those became repetitive. Scenes ended with a reveal about the sleeping child, but those endings often felt arbitrary and disjointed. Figuring out which archetype won, in the end, involved some obscure scorekeeping. And however good the initial idea for the game was, the actual content was an avalanche of bad ideas. But it's a game we often talk about revisiting, It doesn't seem like a mistake, it just seems like a work in progress, because every single one of the games we've made has had an avalanche of bad ideas phase. And it's hard to know with a bad idea how far it is from a good one. Sometimes you've gone down the complete wrong direction and you just need to scrap it and start from the beginning. Other times, the right idea is a tiny sidestep away. We're at a point with Questlandia where we have a lot of bad ideas to consider. Some are proven bad, most are just probably bad. As we gear up to get back to the table after a month's break, it's time to figure out which bad ideas we're going to try. We are getting to a place with Questlandia 2, where not only should we come up with a name for it eventually, yeah, but like we need to actually start playtesting. Like we've been stalling. We've been busy. We have been busy. <laughs> uh, but we're getting to this place where we have to start actually getting people into scenes where they're doing things. And that will start uh, Monday. Monday. We have another playtest. Yeah, our next playtest is scheduled for Monday. And it's been like weeks and weeks since we did a playtest. We have been running a Kickstarter for the past month. It ends tonight. So by this, the time this episode airs, it will be done. The Kickstarter that is about to wrap up is Good Dog, Bad Zombie, which is the first board game that we've brought to Kickstarter. It's doing really well. We're really happy with the progress. What's the word? The pro, the achievements. (laughs) 
We're very happy. We're like basically both barely standing right now, too. We're both. It's been a long month. Yeah. <laughs> it's the final few hours of the Kickstarter. We're both sick. Maybe. I'm yeah. sick. <laughs> One and a half. <laughs> so, so that is a perfect lead in to the topic of this episode, which is the worst ideas we've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> So, Good Dog, Bad Zombie, for example, started off as a joke idea. Mm -hmm. It was an idea that Brian, who's the other member of Make Big Things, our co-op, brought to the table and was like, I love dogs. Ha ha. It would be so funny. Let's make a game about dogs saving humans in the zombie apocalypse. And we're like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) You got it, bud. (laughs) And now it's our highest funded Kickstarter of all time. So I think that a lot of this episode is going to be about the fact that sometimes ideas that start off coming from not really a serious place actually end up being these really foundational things. And that even applies to Questlandia, the original Questlandia, which, you know, when we were first developing it, we needed a working title. And that title was Questlandia. <laughs> yeah, Questlandia. You know, I think there's only one person who's ever said publicly that they don't like the title. But it's like one of those things where it's like, it's so real now. Nobody, like, it can't be anything else. But mm-hmm. yeah, Questlandia was a working title to that was a joke title to sort of describe a generic fantasy game where people go on a quest in a fantasy land that always ends in some sort of andia. Were we originally doing doing lands that always ended in Ia? I don't I don't think that we were, but I think it was like that that is just like the fantasy trope, you know? Gotcha. It's like Magrathia. Mm-hmm. Falaria. Falafalia. Totar This is maybe not actually a trope, but that it was my joke trope. It ended up being the name. Narnia. We... See, oh, Nar- it's real. Narnia. It's a That's thing. Real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the irony extends even further, though, because in Questlandia, most people never actually go on a quest. No. It's mostly people who start off on a quest and then ditch it within the first like half hour of playing. <laughs> Like, this is not going to work out. So sometimes the worst ideas ever, it's not that the ideas get better. I feel like it's just that I, like, psychologically accept that, like, I'm just owning it. We become the bad ideas. Yeah. (laughs) So that is what this episode is about. Um, (laughs) So this episode is about the worst ideas we've had so far for Questlandia 2, And hopefully, a year from now, when this game is real, some of these ideas will actually be in the game, and Mm -hmm. we'll be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that was a good, bad idea. Or like, oh, that was clearly a bad idea, and we even (laughs) said so. How did it... Oh, no. Well, hindsight is 2020. Wait, is that the phrase? Hindsight is 2020? Yeah. Okay. Except it's 2020 and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like hindsight is catch 22 i couldn't I just, <laughs> <Hindsight's> <laughs> <catching too. laughs> 
Hindsight is six and a half dozen. So this episode is brought to you by Dayquil. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into the bad ideas we've had for Questlandia 2, Good Dog, Bad Zombie isn't the only good bad idea we've ever had. So there's Good Dog, Bad Zombia. There's the title of Questlandia. Another one that I think maybe we've talked about before on the podcast is the sort of how Noirlandia came about. In Questlandia's original character creation process, you'd generate some random characters. You'd make one extra. Then everybody would choose the ones they liked. And the one extra that nobody chose would die. It was like a fa- fantasy law and order. <laughs> <laughs> I Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it was okay to be like, the queen is dead. I mean, I think the thing was that it often worked. It just wasn't like the game that we wanted to make. It, like it wasn't the story that we wanted to tell for this game. Yeah. Does that? Yeah. It shouldn't always be a murder mystery. Yeah. But then we were like, well, maybe a murder mystery would be good also. Yeah. And then Norlandia happened. Right. Where we took that mechanic of the unchosen player character being the victim who is dead and turned it into a role-playing game. So we took one bad idea and turned it into years of work. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's actually the basis of, like, our whole enterprise here. <laughs> Make big mistakes. Oh, we've been trying to come up with a tagline. I think it should be one bad idea, years of work. One bad idea, years of regret. Oh, that's a better one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. But let's not dwell on the bad ideas of the past. <laughs> let's talk about the bad ideas of the present. That's a good transition. Thank you. <laughs> so fortunately, Evan and I are pretty comfortable with each other, and so we can shut each other's ideas down generally nicely. I think sometimes I shut <laughs> your ideas down not so nicely, and I feel bad for that. You know what I can take, you know? <laughs> I just, like, sometimes I think the difference between the two of us is, like, you give an idea that I think is a bad idea, and I get, like, emotional about it. Mm-hmm. And I give an idea that you think is a bad idea. And I'm like, let's kickstart it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're just like very quiet. I, I actually don't remember how you respond to when I have a bad idea. Well, give me a bad idea. Let's find out. Okay. Well, so I have, I didn't want to say this idea so early in the podcast because I, it's the best idea, actually. I... I am now moving forward in the design of this game, hoping that Questlandia 2 will be individual sheaths of paper in three ring binders. And like, maybe it's a nice three ring binder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. But see, now you're laughing, and I don't think that's always what you've done. I'm trying to remember if you've looked horrified or if you've been like, oh, that's interesting. I'm trying to remember what the first reaction was. Uh, I think dumbfounded silence. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that this is like some bias going in around sort of like the, I don't know, the the like the meaning of the tool. Like a three ring binder is associated with like a certain type of like, not just like corporate drudgery, but like, oh, things that you'll never look at again, things that don't deserve to stay on your shelf, like your reports from book reports from seventh grade. And I just, I feel like maybe we can change that with like a leather three ring binder that says Questlandia on it. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) So see, I've already, (laughs) is the first idea in the episode and I've already said my best bad idea. So I don't even know what to say. Okay, so... So let's let's dial back a little bit. I've probably already said this in the podcast, but to catch up, there's a problem with our initial dream of how Questlandia looks. The initial dream was you would get these journals, and each one of these journals has a world written on the spine. It's a world you've explored, and it's full of your notes and adventures and the things you found there. And you end up with a bookshelf full of records of your journeys that you want to use to remember your game and to show off, or just you glance at once in a while and think, that's pretty. I had a good time. This was money well spent. I hope they bought a yacht. (laughs) So that was the dream. But the problem that quickly became apparent is that When you step into a world in Questlandia 2, you don't know how long you want to stay there. But the journal has a set idea of that. It has a number of pages in it. It says you'll be in this world for 40 pages of curated adventure. And that ended up feeling really limiting instantly. And it would be a terrible feeling to write out, you know, two pages of a journal and be like, we're not feeling it. So that's a big problem. Journals don't scale. And so we started thinking about ways that your records of the journeys could scale. And we thought about playing cards, or well, just cards, making decks of cards, because, you know, you can expand those card by card. This has a real problem, though, because there's no way that we could think of that You could store cards in a pretty way. Yeah, there's something about, like, the chicken scratch that you write in a journal is feels more beautiful than the idea of, like, writing something on a card that then gets, like, filed in a deck. Like, it's, like, it's going to look like a prototype for a board game that nobody wanted to play or something. It's kind of hard for me to imagine wanting to just, like, pour out a deck of scrawled-on cards and review them. It kind of feels like, like, you know, I don't want to diminish what can be done on a card. Obviously, it can be done in a pretty way. But I think part of it is the smallness of it and the lack of context that comes from it being that small. Where it'll just say something like, you know, a spotted cow. And then there's, like, a stick figure that sort of looks like a dog. (laughs) You know, it'll say, ruined our kingdom. (laughs) 
And I mean, obviously, I was destined to make it the one example that I would absolutely want to find <laughs> I know, I'm and like, frame. Actually, this sounds fine and fun. But you know, that would be diminished by there being two hundred of these little cards, and you can't put them on a bookshelf. Maybe there's a weird holder for lots of decks, but then what are those decks in? It it it's very hard to resolve in a way that's good. So we were looking at what about a way to bring it back to paper. What if players were binding their own books? Which is, I mean, that's obviously a bad idea, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. You've really liked this idea. And I have not liked the idea. I'm still riding on this this bad idea. I think my main resistance to this idea is that I feel like the idea of binding your own book puts it like out of the realm of like the focus of the role playing game and into the realm of like a craft project that you are ultimately just going to feel ashamed of or something like for some reason it reminds me of like you know when with all good intentions you like go to michael's and get like a rug hooking kit and you're like i'm gonna be a rug hooker um (laughs) (laughs) this is a terrible idea (laughs) and then you make one hooked rug with like a duck on it and then you're like oh i don't want this I don't know. (laughs) I don't want people to not want... I don't want the people to be like, now I don't want to use this book or play this role-playing game because my bound book looks like a macaroni necklace. Well, that is... Yes, good point. (laughs) That is fair. (laughs) So that was where three-ring binders came in as like, Maybe there is a world in which a three-ring binder is not a loathed object. This world is not the seventh grade. (laughs) It's just where my saddest history notes went. Yeah, I'm, yeah, because I can, I don't think there is even a three-ring binder in this house. I think, because, you know, we're good at, like, the purging of things that are not desired to look upon. But I, but... What if it was, like, leather? Well, okay, I think we're not supposed to be defending our bad ideas in this episode. We're just speaking them. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, and no attacking either, I guess. Okay, all right. <laughs> but it's just, like, the mechanism for three-wing. I know, like, I know, it's, like, it's the like noise, and then your the fingers clack, get and it's like, hurt. It, it's, like, a little bit too hard to open the binder. Well, that's why I think we need very expensive ones, because I do believe that maybe there is actually, like, you know how everything has, like, a subculture? Like, I think there may be, like... <laughs> three-ring binder subculture? <laughs> like, there may be people who are making, like, really nicely constructed three-ring binders. But again, we're just presenting. We're not, there's no arguing. We're just presenting our bad ideas with maybe with a light defense. When the two metal bits. I know, you close I hate it, the noise too. I, it's taken then, so much. But then they miss a little bit and they're misaligned <laughs> and it like starts tearing at the paper. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about plum bobs. Plum bobs were a beautiful idea. And they it doesn't they don't make any sense <laughs> no. as a it's like a plum bob, if you're not familiar, 
is a tool for finding the point exactly underneath another point. And it's basically a heavy object on a string. And you attach the string to the to whatever it is that's up above, and you let it scrape against the ground a couple times, and the point where those two scrapes intersect is exactly beneath it. That's handy if you're, you know, constructing a building. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to use at a role-playing game table. You have to hold it up really high. It kind of just keeps, you know, telling you the point that's right underneath where you're holding it. <laughs> well, the center, right? Won't it find the center point? If you are holding it with your fingers, it would show you the part of the table that was right underneath your fingers with excellent accuracy. Wait, I thought, no, it would, it would tell you the, uh, well, okay. <laughs> Wait, if you're holding it with your fingers, it would tell you the part just on, no, because you have to let it go. No, you don't let it go. Yeah, you let the plump up go, and then it scritches around, and then eventually it'll make its scritch marks on the center. To... It scritches around, like a top? Yeah, well, it, like, swings around. Okay, it swings, yes. It swings, and then the place where it is making, hmm. So I don't know what a plumb bob is. <laughs> it's clearly, maybe this is part of the original problem, was that I just thought it looked really cool and arcane. There I are was some like, cool-looking ones. It's like a divination object. But plumb bobs were used for divination, so now I'm unclear how they were ever used, but maybe... That is not, maybe, maybe this is, we actually already had an episode called Plum Bobs. Probably <laughs> I should have understood what a Plum Bob was. I, I think we both could probably stand to know a little bit more about Plum Bobs. I think the move to the alethiometer model is an improvement. But, you know, I feel like the alethiometer, to some extent, came from the fact that we were thinking about Plum Bobs. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, we were thinking about and like a weighted object. I mean, the alethiometer even, it, it sort of shares the shape of a swinging plumb bob swinging back and forth through a center point. So probably we will not have plumb bobs in the game. So to continue going back over our old episode titles, we have Metaplot. <laughs> <laughs> so... Metaplot is something that was not present in the first Questlandia. And as we work on Questlandia 2, we've been thinking about a way to introduce a greater story to it, to tie fictionally all of these worlds that you create together. I have something to admit for the first time in this podcast that I have not said to you yet, Evan, which is there is a part of me that is backpedaling on the idea of including Metaplot. This is my dumbfounded silence <laughs> here. <laughs> I mean, you must have known a little bit because I put it in the notes for this episode, but there's a part of me that's like, maybe not. Maybe we're trying too hard. It's worth thinking about, you know, destroying all the work we've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be a 
lot of that over the next, you know, six months to a year. We are at a point in the playtesting where we've said, you know, okay, forget the junk poets. Let's just make sure that we can go through these worlds, make them interesting, having have an adventure. We can worry about the junk poets. Never. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Maybe never, though. Just, I'm just planting seeds. This is a, a dark seed that you have planted. <laughs> so I don't want to say that. I don't think the junk poets have been abandoned. I just, we have not really, we just haven't found a way to successfully integrate the junk poet story yet. So I just, you know, I started to have second guessing. The doubts. <laughs> <laughs> Landia. So, with if we took the junk poets away, it would take away this other terrible idea of trying to play two different characters in a role-playing game at the same time. To be fair, Questlandia had that. It did? Yeah, you'd, you'd play your main character on your turn, and then you'd jump in as other characters on other people's turns. That's true, but that's like NPCs, and that's pretty common. This is this would be like next level. This this is like multiple PCs. But your PCs do never talk to each other. That's have to true. be in the same room. That's you know? true. That helps. I I I still like the junk poets. I'm just gonna come out and say it. <laughs> I do. I think you know. I think I'm feeling like some time pressure or something, and I'm like, what if we just don't redesign the game at all? <laughs> all right, that's even a bigger thing. <laughs> We're coming up with new terrible ideas on the fly here. <laughs> let's re-release Questlandia. Just and let's just change the cover to say Questlandia too. Oh, that's a good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Metaplot has some goals. the The reason we tried to do this is that we want to have a shared framework for everybody to talk about the game. And we want to create a metaphor for playing the game that you're playing out in itself, right? You're playing the people who are exploring the worlds. And you get to examine not just the worlds you're making, but the idea of world building itself. I guess the idea of like what makes world building worthwhile and why do it, and what kind of people do it, and what do they get out of it, and where can you take that? And I think some of it also comes from this idea that, like, Questlandia has never had... We've never been able to come up with a pitch for Questlandia that feels like it sells what the game actually does. Like, I feel like to call it a world-building toolkit is a little bit flimsy. Yeah. It's closer to, like, a toolkit for generating stories like Neverending Story or Miyazaki-style uh, fantasy. But then this gets into, like, bigger questions about, like, whether we want to keep calling our games RPGs. And then that's a question that I've found actually turns into very boring arguments on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> about what is a game. Yeah. Which is, like, my band topic. It's my banned question. That's a smart banning. Maybe after like a half a margarita, <laughs> it's no longer in the ban zone. 
(laughs) (laughs) So far, our experience of trying to make the meta plot work has been, um, it's been like when you wake up and you're still partially in a dream state and you can't move your limbs and your mind is awake, but you can't make your body move at all. That's kind of what it was like to have those junk poets in the library. And they're like, how do we walk? And we're like, we don't know. Mm -hmm. So like trying to make this game happen has just been like one long fit of sleep paralysis. (laughs) That's the term. Yeah. (laughs) So that's been discouraging. But I still want to keep hammering my head against it. Lightly. Lightly tapping my head against it, you know? I want to keep trying. (laughs) I don't feel done yet with this terrible idea. (laughs) So one question we've had is about how this game is released, what it looks like when you buy Questlandia. And that's included, you know, getting... A number of journals with a core rulebook and an alethiometer made of wood and inlaid with gold. (laughs) We've also talked about releasing it episodically, right? Like piecemeal. Yeah, I was inspired by two things. First, sort of following the progress of Dwarf Fortress, this game that's like always done and never done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just become this sprawling thing. And at this point, like, being a fan of Dwarf Fortress is bigger than the sum of being somebody who wants to play the game. Right. It's, like, about being somebody who wants to be part of the phenomenon that is Dwarf Fortress. Like, I'll just read update notes, right? <laughs> I'll just read the change log, and that feels like participating in that game. So this thought about Dwarf Fortress kind of came at the same time as discovering this site online, which maybe everybody knows about this site, but I had never encountered it before. It's r-n-w.net, and it's the site of maybe just one designer who just, like, cranks out these character sheets and world-building sheets and, like, topography for your D&D campaign and generic item packs, um... And she also puts together these, like, beautiful dice palettes. And it was super inspiring to me. And I was like, whoa, what if we never release Questlandia all at once? What if we just roll it out? What if Dwarf Fortress? (laughs) I think this is a terrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Like, we just drag people along on, like, a years-long journey that ends in a whole lot of nothing. But not nothing, because, you know, there would have been something along the way. Is this a metaphor for the podcast? (laughs) No? (laughs) Okay, cool. Just checking. So, what don't you like about this idea? Because they could go in three-ring binders. That's the thing. (laughs) oh i see i see how these ideas are all connected now um it might be a great idea to be honest but my my heart is set to some extent on the idea of this kickstarter this package 
this idea of getting this set where you have it and you can go on all the adventures and you can devour it. There's If there was one part that I would say could work as an ongoing release, we at one point were talking about having like sealed envelopes from the world weavers that you're uncovering as you explore worlds. And I could imagine that like the ongoing fiction and reveal of the world that the junk poets inhabit, that could be a gradual release. But I want you to feel like you get this game and you have like a full tool set. You have everything you need, you know? And also we, up to this point, we've been, we've been a Kickstarter company. Like it's been about delivering one big project and making one big event out of it. So this would mean a big change to that. This is closer to like a Patreon model, right? Where it's like fun to the ongoing and endless development. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm super into projects that are like sprawling and never ending. Well, not for myself, but I really like following them. Wait, not for yourself. I know, Well, yeah, for myself, I mean, it keeps me up at night if something is not done. Wait, we're getting back into why this might be a terrible idea, <laughs> I know. right? <laughs> well, I sort of like things that, like, you know, it's like how they say that, like, if you are somebody who can never find your keys or always shows up late, that, like, there's some sort of, there's something that ultimately you're you're getting out of that drama. Like, it's creating, like, a personal drama or, like, story that you can return to that's sort of, like, a comforting tale of your own failure. That's, I think, what what I mean. Oh, that, like I if see. it's never done, it can become this self-fulfilling prophecy of like ideas that I have of my own sense of failure. So that's wow. why I like this idea. Because it is a manifestation of failure. Yeah. Like, we're we're like nailing it with the bad <laughs> ideas. I think we're doing great. So with that, <laughs> are there any final final bad ideas that we have had or are we just is it all good ideas from here i I can think of one or two more (laughs) you know the last episode was about last minute panic and if we wanted to have a life that had less panic instead of more panic we didn't have to schedule play tests Every week. To our credit, we have not actually succeeded in running a playtest every week. We tend to cancel them. I mean, how much credit is that worth? (laughs) 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 Well, I'll take it. I'll take the credit I can get. That's true. I think there would probably be less canceling and rescheduling had we not set this overly ambitious, this schedule that is sort of setting us up for failure. But I like it now that you know that I like... Manifestations (laughs) of failure. (laughs) Like every time we have to reschedule, I'm like, oh, I suck. Yeah. Real hard. Yeah. (laughs) Aren't I just the worst? Man. (laughs) How nice would it be to be real designers? That have brand new content ready to play test every week. Some people, I think, can pull it off. And those are the only people worth listening to. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry you stumbled into this podcast. So yeah, probably this dual playtesting model was a little ambitious for our current lives. Speaking of which, there's one in four days. Yeah, Monday. Do we have any bad ideas to bring to the table? Well, we're going to be trying to actually play the game. Like actually have your characters move around and do things for the first time. I have a good idea. Oh. Well, it's a good bad idea. Save it for the next... Okay, never mind. (laughs) It's it's relevant. It's relevant. (laughs) I was thinking of looking over the Questlandia character sheet for this playtest and starting by stripping away everything that I think is currently a bad mechanic or unnecessary Mm -hmm. and then taking the mechanics from Damn the Man and just putting them in to Questlandia 2 because I like them better. Yeah. But that's that's probably not a bad idea. That's probably just normal playtesting. No, that's a good starting place. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I want to do for Monday. So edit this part out. That was a good idea. <laughs> well, this could be like our teaser, you know, next up. Good ideas. Good ideas. <laughs> from here on in. You know, my earliest memories of us game designing together, I remember there being a lot of strife around good ideas and bad ideas. You were the lead on Questlandia, right? And I was joining in and supporting and, you know, maybe gradually becoming a full co-designer. And when I had a bad idea, it was like I was betraying you. (laughs) Well, and when you had a good idea... It was like it reinforced all of these ideas that I had of not being able to, not being capable of having a good idea. We were not really designing well together at the time. And I feel like now we've both come to a place where we have recognized that there's a lot of bad ideas that need to be plopped onto the table and prodded with a stick a little bit. Well, I think that the joke will be on you when this game releases in a three-ring binder, so... Sorry, just dumbfounded (laughs) silence. (laughs) With that, it's time for your thoughts and questions. We were at PAX East this past week. Uh, I keep wanting to say weekend, but PAX East was like a million days long this year. Yeah. It was like forever. Yeah, we've. I I still haven't left. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we were at PAX East, and a bunch of people came up and said nice things who listened to the podcast. So that was awesome. Thank you. You guys rock. We were contacted by Tim on Twitter, wondering whether we'd go into more detail in future episodes about the player experience of actually exploring these worlds in a campaign setting after finishing all the world building and setup. Good question. Yeah. I think Tim's like, when are you guys going to make the game, huh? Oh, when are you going to do it? <laughs> You've struck us to the quick. <laughs> uh, I think it's possible that our next episode will... Hmm, well, yes. Sometime in the future. 
I like that suggestion. That, I mean, that's our goal for the playtest in four days. We have some prep to do to make that work, but it could happen. And that's going to be sort of more of a basic mechanics. I mean, the idea of campaign play, we're going to kind of learn over time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I forgot. Campaigns are big, man. Yeah. So maybe, you know, a number of episodes from now. It might be literally impossible to play test a campaign in one sitting. <laughs> so there we go. So we'll get, a, we'll get a step closer. If you have other thoughts, questions, or suggestions, we really like to hear them. You can email us at designdocpod at gmail.com, or you can tweet to us. Our Twitter handle is designdocpod, or you can tweet to me at handbandit, or to Evan. At a drawn novel. So we look forward to hearing from you. The Design Doc intro-outro theme was created by our friend and musician, Pat King. Thank you, Pat. The Design Doc podcast is hosted by the OneShot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed Design Doc, visit OneShotPodcast.com, where you'll find other great shows like Neoscum. Neoscum is a future fantasy comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders, a chromehead decker, a teenage candy junkie klepto, a kids show wizard with a petulant thirst for adventure, and the nastiest trekker this side of the robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew as they dole out street justice to every deeb they encounter, whether they deserve it or not. If you're liking what we do here, why not hop over to Design Doc on iTunes and leave us a review? It'll help more people find the show, and it'll fill us with determination. Determination. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon, heroes.